wrestling fans, are you ready? This is Tuesday. You people bought a ticket to see me, so shut up. Wrestling Tuesday with Jonathan Hood. First of all, Dusty Rose, I think what you are is a big, ugly, low-class, redneck goose. Follow the show at Wrestling TWT on Twitter and Instagram. But remember, my fireflies, as always, I'll light the way, and all you have to do is let me in. Tuesday, Wrestling Tuesday. The bottom line is, in all my magnificent, you're gonna be mine all night long. Here's Jonathan Hood. Oh, yes, another special edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday with me, Jonathan Hood. Follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at WrestlingTWT. That's WrestlingTWT. Make sure you send me an email as well. Any questions you have about the world of professional wrestling slash sports entertainment, hit me up at UTHpods at Outlook.com. That's UTHpods, P-O-D-S. At Outlook.com. Don't forget the YouTube page as well, YouTube.com. Look for Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday and and subscribe. And if you're listening on iTunes slash Apple Podcasts, make sure that you subscribe. Don't forget to leave a review. And five stars. Thanks so much, as always, for listening to Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, our bonus edition we do every week right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. I have big news for you, but I can't tell you until next Tuesday. I've got huge news about me and professional wrestling. I'll tell you about it next Tuesday, uh, right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. We will review AEW and the show from Charlotte, North Carolina, the go-home show, as we get ready for full gear this Saturday on pay-per-view. Also, NXT from Full Sail University. Both shows are hot and, of course, we're going to talk to Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Hood and Lopez breaking down both shows from Wednesday night. It was great as we record this on Thursday morning right here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. It is Chapter 6 of AEW versus NXT. As always, we are joined by Josh Lopez, a good brother from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. As we have our conversation about AEW versus NXT, check out ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. And, of course, follow Josh on Twitter at the Hoots Podcast, and he joins me here on Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday. Hello, Josh. Jonathan Hood, my main man. How's it going? I am great. I, I, I am ready for this show. I'll put in both earrings like Tony Cervani, and I'm ready oh, for the broadcast. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I could uh, get a break and escape from the jargon that's going on on the radio today. So <laughs> anytime oh, yeah. we can talk about wrestling, it's good. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So if you don't mind, let's start with AEW because that is the go-home show uh, for Full Gear, the pay-per-view taking place on Saturday from Baltimore, Maryland. And, of course, Baltimore, a great wrestling town for not only the old-school WWF but also yep. WCW. They continue to go there for a lot of their major events, so Baltimore is definitely a hotbed for wrestling. Let's start off first by just talking about your overall thoughts. What stood out most for you for AEW Dynamite? I think it's I think it's consistent because then the main positive takeaway from AEW Dynamite since it started about a month ago and that's Cody Rhodes. Uh, this feud and this build up for Chris Jericho and Cody Rhodes has been fantastic from both sides of the fence, uh, especially Jericho mocking the on the road two series that Cody likes to do. Like <laughs> just yeah. the back and forth with these guys has been uh, fantastic to watch and just feeling the passion from Cody Rhodes last night in his promo. I thought it was really good um, from Cody's point of view. I just thought it was also funny inside the fans chanting you deserve it. I put it out on Twitter last night. Did uh, did people chant Jeff Jarrett deserve it when uh, TNA started in 2002? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, they did not. No. You know why? Because the people in Nashville know be- knew better. No, he did not deserve it. <laughs> right. Yeah. So I, I, I'll just tell you this, and I know that I'm I'm an old school wrestling fan that still believes in the power of the promo. Uh, mm-hmm. I, but Josh, 
there's nothing like a heartfelt promo looking into the camera, looking at to the people at home and telling people how you really feel about an angle. Because it's one thing to have it scripted and you're looking at your shoes and you're looking up in the ceiling, you're looking side to side, but it's nothing like a promo that is heartfelt, that feels real. Whether again, whether it's real or not, the point is, is that you and I are watching wrestling to suspend our disbelief and have a great story told in front of us. Cody right. Rhodes told a great story last night. And and I tell you what, got a little choked up, be honest, as an old school mm. wrestling fan. I was like, you know what? That was good because it hit my heart to what, what he talked Because especially when he talks about his dad, you know, that's heartfelt. Uh, absolutely. And that's one of the reasons why I resonate with a guy like Nick Aldis because you feel like he's the real world champion. I remember the first promo that uh, Nick, call, uh, Nick cut on the first Power episode. You remember that hoodie? Where he's talking about being the world champion and what it means to him and putting uh, food on the table for his son and it's, it's the same thing I got from Cody. And I think that's one of the reasons why that Cody-Nick Aldis match last year from All In really resonated with people. Because you bought into both characters. They had a good story going into that pay-per-view. And it ended up being one of the best matches on that show. So you're feeling the same passion again here from Cody Rhodes with this feud for uh, AEW Full Gear. And yeah, I get it. Jericho still has his sarcastic ways to him but uh even then like i i'm I, I can't tell you how excited i am for this match uh whether the stipulation of him never getting a towel shot again i'll be curious to see how that goes because this is supposed to be this uh the company that follows their words right you know yeah <laughs> and we're not gonna be the wwe we're gonna stick to our stipulation so i'm curious to see how that plays out another example and actually one of these episodes we should have a list of wrestlers that don't need a title but right. but Cody Cody but Cody's you know we said it about the fiend right but the same yeah. thing about Cody Cody Rhodes doesn't necessarily have to be the AEW champion but here here's the the key that some might have missed in that promo and it's it's fact because I grew up watching it you grew up watching it as well Eddie Graham in Florida would put himself over even though he was the promoter nobody knew it at the time it's in CWF but. Josh, he was the he was the promoter, he was the guy, the face of the company, and put himself over and put him in main events. Dusty Rhodes was the head of Jim Crocker Promotions because he's doing a lot of that booking. Um and, and so Dusty put himself in those spots with Ric Flair uh to try to to draw a house in those main events in the Crockett era in the in the eighties. So he used a couple examples there. You can go on with Fritz, Fritz von Eric in Dallas. You can go with Dick the Bruiser in Indianapolis. There's a lot of examples of wrestlers that were wrestling, but yet at the head of the office. And so he put himself in that same spot as an executive with AEW and wrestling. That's real. That's the real. That's one of the re- most real things that we've seen in a promo in a long time. Yeah, the story arcs that don't go away, that's something that comes with the professional wrestling business. It doesn't matter which territory is, like you mentioned, Fritz uh, Von Erich. My dad was a really big eight. Uh, my dad was a big world class fan growing up as a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, also enjoyed the AWA, like you said, Vern Gagne, um, all these other promoters from the past. And they not only did they put themselves over, not for their own ego, but also they. I, I remember uh, uh, Jim Ross saying this one time about Vince McMahon. You know, you know, Vince would put himself on stage and do stupid things, but he would, if it's like he would expect you to do the same thing because he would do something embarrassing on television. It's like that chicken egg. Like, hey, I'm gonna do something for the entertainment of the audience, no matter what, even if it makes me look bad. Yeah, <laughs> and. He would expect the same thing from his performance. And you can say that with a lot of different promoters over the years, whether it's right or wrong. Uh, I think it, uh, in other cases it hasn't worked out, like I mentioned earlier with Jeff Jarrett. But <laughs> Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, another guy, head of the office and kept putting book himself – Winning the TNA championship, uh, he you know, and you heard Bill Watts's name mentioned as well. Bill Watts kept going in and out of retirement just to draw a house in in uh, Louisiana uh, until he finally retired. So I I think that that was real. As far as the the show is concerned, uh, Pac wants you to know that he is a heel, 
And he's not trying to be a cool heel. He's just straight ahead forward saying, F you, I'm a, I'm a heel. And he called out the people in Charlotte and that matchup against Trent. You know it was a mismatch, but it was just good to see Trent in that singles matchup against Pac. I enjoyed the match. Uh, I, I, it's unfortunate they had to hold the debacle with the referee after the Black Arrow uh, towards the end of that match. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think a lot with wrestling today, if you don't have that finish perfectly clear without uh, without any mistakes along the way, like people get like super upset and it ruins the overall vibe for the match. And I understand it for a certain point of view, but like I thought. Trent and Pac had a really good match yesterday, and it kind of sucks that what's being taken away is the uh, the non finish, or it wasn't supposed to end that way. You know what I'm talking about, hoodie? Yeah, yeah, but you know what? It's not ballet, pal. You know, right? <laughs> so, so I don't, so I don't mind. It doesn't see all that that stuff. It doesn't have to be. It's wrestling at its core doesn't have to be. So choreographed all the way to the end where the finish is beautiful. Every every match can't be Savage Steamboat for WrestleMania. It, right. just, it just can't, you know? It can't be Punk John Cena. Right, right, right. <laughs> well, and, well, and that, in that match, Punk pulls out a pile driver and Vince McMahon goes apoplectic. <laughs> it's like, remember that match? It's like, oh my God, right? So, you know, every match, and, and by the way, just side sidebar. So before George the Animal Steel passed away, he did a few podcasts. Okay. He, and he knew he was dying, by the way, because you can go to YouTube and and there's like an hour of George Steele saying, hey, if you're seeing this, I'm dead. And he put and somebody put it on YouTube. You know, you know who, who shit on Savage Steamboat from WrestleMania the most? George the Animal Steel. Wow. And I'm like, well, wait, you were there at ringside. You got a payday out of that, you know, that, that, that dead Pontiac. He said it was. He said it was so choreographed. He said I saw this match on the road like twenty times, being at ringside, couldn't couldn't stand it. Of all people, George the Animal still didn't like Savage Steamboat. That's just a side note for you. Um, you know, it kind of reminds me when Bully Ray wasn't going goo goo gaga over the first uh, Omega Okada match. Like he didn't get the. Uh, over the top praise for it, like it was the greatest match ever. <laughs> I remember him and LaGreca, who we were good friends with. Uh, they had a big debate about it once they first started doing shows with, with each other. I remember this like it was yesterday, where Bully's like, "Yeah, it's good. It's a good story. There's maybe too many uh, false finishes for his liking, and some aspects of it was more choreographed than it needed to be, but." Again, I can't speak for wrestlers because obviously I've never been a wrestler, so I don't know what's the right way or wrong way to go about how you structure your matches and what's supposed to look real, what's supposed to be look choreographed. That's something that I'm not gonna die on the hill on, but like I'm surprised that he had that reaction towards that match. Well, you know, maybe some of his uh, uh, singles career in the WWE was better. Maybe maybe those matches are more classic when when he and Devon <laughs> broke up. Maybe we should go back to that and refer to that as classics. Um, oh, <laughs> so, uh, but you know what, for to each his own, right? To each his own. Yeah. So I, I love those matches. You love those matches, but everybody, it's not everybody's cup of tea. So that's fine. So, mm-hmm. you know, we talk about the power of the promo all the time on this show, right? Yes, so, sir. So, so could you imagine if AEW, whether it's on dark or the, or the dynamite show spent time telling you what the dark order is? See, every podcast, everything that's written says the Dark Order isn't over, that they don't get a reaction. They got some reaction in Charlotte, I thought, last night. But the thing, but and also, if you notice, new outfits. You notice they were all like in, yeah, their, in their black I outfits, and the big guy and the, the uh, Uno had a black outfit. So they're evolving. But imagine if you explain to us what it is. See, that's the thing. Like, the match against Private Party is fine. I think it was the best Dark Order match I've seen um, since they've been in AEW, I guess. But the point is, like, what is it? I don't know what it is. And that's and there's a disconnect. That's why people think it sucks, because people don't know what it's supposed to be. Here's a good tie-in. Guess who had a video package last night? The Forgotten Sons. Oh, uh. Well, that and, well, well that you helps. Compared, you compared the Dark Order a couple weeks ago to the <laughs> Forgotten Sons, and we found a little bit more about what the Forgotten Sons are. I agree with you. If you're going to have an AEW Dark show, 
that's the time more than ever to put small vignettes, small interviews in the control center to figure out who these characters are than just having regular wrestling matches for the sake of wrestling matches. They've done like three or four AEW darks, and yeah, there's some cool matches here and there, but what's the purpose of that show? If you're not going to develop the other characters on an already thin roster, what's the point of that show? Right, right. You If you roll them out as, as preliminary wrestlers... That's fine. If they're if they're carpenters for other talent, that's fine. But if you keep rolling them out there and you have like five or six other people there, and again, I liked how they were able to have new outfits, that's fine. But you still haven't explained why Grayson is over. You haven't explained to me what, what Uno's all about. Like that it just seems like they're just guys out there. Uh, so that doesn't that doesn't help me. So well, the dark the dark order had a backstory where they're the super uh, Smash Bros. I think that was their tag team name when, when they're baby faces. They have a history with the Young Bucks. With them being there, why would you embrace that and talk about it? What caused the Super Smash Bros. to go down such a rabbit hole where they need to embrace this Dark Order? What is the Dark Order? What like is there somebody else besides Stu Grayson and Evil Uno that's like? If anything, I think the Dark Order needs a manager. Why are you there? What's your purpose of the Dark Order? Are you trying to plague AEW? Are you trying to plague the Elite? From a storytelling aspect, I think the Dark Order needs a manager more than anybody on that show right now. That's fair to say. Especially if you're going to keep rolling them out there every other week. Then just yeah. find out who they are. Um, a lot of focus on the Cody Rhodes promo, but the Chris Jericho hype video... I thought that it was it was hilarious. Uh, I thought it was great, especially to see Soul Train Jones out there, the old Virgil. Oh God! That I mean, that's that's <laughs> you, you, you gotta love that, right? Can't go wrong with the breadsticks, man. Can't go wrong there. <laughs> it's, it's great, man. I love I love it, man. Just it was. They keep cutting the Jake Hager. Hager just stares in the camera, doesn't say anything. Um, Santana and Ortiz put Jericho over. I thought it was well done. This was hilarious. Now here's the thing. Tell me this, Josh. Is Jericho a babyface or a heel? He's a gray area right now. And I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Well, that was <laughs> as a bad thing. As far as AEW is concerned. You know what's funny about that whole vignette? Um, was Pat- uh, Pat- Patricia uh, Bobsky. And the reason I'm bringing her up is because Chris played a character in South Paul Regional Wrestling called Clint Bobsky. So <laughs> I'm glad he brought that tie in. I don't know if that's his actual act or not, but her inclusion that that was absolutely hilarious. I love that. I, I thought it was a tr- it was tremendous, and yeah, there was some comedy in there, but it was not over the top silliness. It was just straightforward, really nice uh, video. It made Jericho a babyface, mm-hmm. but uh, but you know, again, Jericho is so good at being able to give you comedy and also make you hate him in all in the same promo. That's that's why he's really good at what he does. Um, so here's a, a it, one of the criticisms of AEW, which I think is fair, okay. is is that the women's division needs to, a little bit of a shot in the arm. That it, and here's the thing. We're only, what is this, six weeks of AEW versus NXT? So yes. there's gonna be it's gonna take time for this roster to develop. But I will tell you, that tag team women's match with Riho and Shanna <laughs> against Jamie Hayter and and Sakura. Can I tell you something, Josh? That was a I thought it was a really well done match. It might be it might be a little long, but not to the point where I was thinking, man, I'll be glad when this match is over. Because here's why I liked it so much. Rio got pinned and Rio wasn't really part of the match. <laughs> so, but it got the other three over though that's for sure right yeah i agree too i thought it was a good match uh nice to see the uh, the new mrs hood out there as well <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh really quickly i agree with you um i think not only do the women's division need more star power but they need more promo time like yeah i mean it's cool whatever this gothic edge that Randy Rose is doing in the backstage area now where she looked like she just came out of the funeral. Like, is she the only woman on that roster that's allowed to talk right now? <laughs> well, that's that's another great, that's another good point. Again, going back to the promos, right? Um, Sh- Shanna could be, 
Shannon might be in the next Mrs. Hood, or and maybe Jamie Hayter, maybe you know, in a different life. Um, when I'm into goth and put you know putting nose rings in my in my face or whatever. But I I think I think that Jamie Hayter and here here's the great thing, everybody doesn't have to be the um a a model. Okay, it doesn't have to be a, a model. You know, it doesn't right. have to be the um the the Laurenitis you know pinups. From back in the day, the John Lorna, she's got to be a ten people power. She doesn't. She didn't have. Didn't have to be. See, because Hater has a different look, Shanna has a different look, Sakura has a different look. They don't all have to be tens. They just have to be able to work. And all and for those, all four women can work. Even though I'm not a Rio fan. I mean, look at the NXT UK women's division. Kaylee Ray's not one of those pinup girls that you're just mentioning from John Laura Nice, and she cuts promos and she has a different look to her, and she's one of the best women's wrestlers in the world right now. Well, by the way, you mentioned Brandy Rhodes. So a lot of criticism last week for her just snapping off and just pointing, you know, backing down the um, the backstage interviewer. But now you're you're seeing it come together now, right? It's Brandy Rhodes as a a manager for Awesome Kong. I I get it. I just thought when she initially did it, it was just cold. Not not not, not like, oh, she's a bad person. Oh, why would she do that? I just thought it was random. <laughs> what did Jamie Hayter have? What does Jamie Hayter have to do with Austin Kong? <laughs> yeah, well, well, right. Well, last week, it, well, you know, the last couple weeks, I didn't understand, and I thought, is this a vanity project for Brandy Rhodes because she's got to be on TV? But if she's going mm-hmm. to be the manager of awesome kong all right cool because now you're leading to something but i just thought the way they did it was kind of odd i i want some clarity with this i i i like the promo i mean brandy's nice to hear and nice to see her on the show all the time but i need to get some more clarity out of where this thing's going and i think they'll come in due time do you want brandy rose to be the manager of awesome kong yeah, and I'm not saying that because I don't like seeing her in the ring because I actually think Brandy's better than people give her credit for inside the ring. Um, I would just like to see more of Asuka Kong in the ring. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, whether she's a manager or uh, Asuka Kong's just like the insurance policy, like how Camille is for Nick Aldis, either way, I, I want to see more of them on television. She's kept special, pal. Special. Yes, she is. <laughs> see? <laughs> She's an attraction. That's it, right? Exactly. There you go, Vince. That's exactly right. She's an attraction. So you don't, you, you new school wrestling fans. You just want your wrestlers out there every damn week. Keep somebody special, for God's sakes, Josh. <laughs> What's wrong with you? Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> I mean, imagine if you were growing up like me and the and watching the NWA. And every, you know, here, here's something that, that some don't know. Like Ric Flair was not on the show every week. Mm-hmm. He wasn't on the show. Did didn't have to be on the show every week because all of a sudden, one week he's in Charlotte, next week he's on World Class, next week he's in Portland, next week he's in San uh, uh, San Antonio, next week he's in Florida. So there, sometimes it was the uh, what did they used to say? Um, Through the magic of videotape, here is a tape we just got in from Ric Flair from Florida. You know, he wasn't, sometimes he wasn't there. And of course, he didn't wrestle every week. I don't need to see these guys every week. Keep them special. Kong is is an attraction, pal. She puts people in the seats. Well, we'll see. (laughs) Well, that'll be determined, yes. Um, Good to see Sean Spears out there. I think he's still trying to figure out, figure some things out. Good to see Tully. Back in Charlotte, um, I like the Omega Moxley hype video. I hope the video matches the pay per view full gear. I hope the because wh- have you seen Omega brawl before? Because I have not. The closest I could see like Omega having a match to the level of a John Moxley is one he had with Ishii. I can speak more to this because I've over the last three four years I've been really dig into uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling. It- uh, transcribing their shows. Omega doesn't do a lot of parkour matches, obviously. Uh, the closest he got was with a guy like Ishii or Minoru Suzuki, who doesn't care what match it is. He's always going to bring out a chair or <laughs> start throwing you into like seven rows of chairs in the crowd and stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, I, I, I guess we can see a different edge that we've never seen from Kenny Omega before, but as far as like 
trying to recollect what hardcore matches had. It would be either with Ishii or Suzuki. And once again, the main event uh, with Jericho Guevara against Kenny Omega and Hangman Page. The more Hangman Page is out there, the better, so people can get a chance to see more of him. They can learn more about him. It's good for Sammy Guevara, who also is a a young wrestler that is getting the rub from Jericho, and it all hell broke loose in an old-school way, which I loved. It was a a fight all over the building, just like we saw in Charlotte back in the day. So once again... That that kind of NWA WCW kind of feel broke out in this uh, in the main event, and it just set up nicely for full gear. You sound not a wrestling fan that cares about match placement, but with Moxley and Omega being a lights out match, should that be the first match of the show? Because I don't know if that being the semi main event would just go along with the show. You know, it's a lights out match. It doesn't count to the win loss record. I don't know. I'm trying to visualize how this pay per view is going to come out on Saturday night. You know, I if it was me, maybe I would have. Moxie and Omega go first. No, can't do that because you can't follow uh-huh. that. You can't follow that. Well, that's that's true. I guess you just go with the the triple threat taxi match. Well, get them hot. Get the crown hot. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So, lights out matches in the past were the whole show was over. You turn the lights off, turn the lights back on, which is a which signals that the organization, the company, has nothing to do with this match. It's a lights out match, so it stands alone. Omega and Moxley. Okay, so he, here's the thing: what is more important to you as a wrestling fan, Josh? the The finish of this match or MJF turning on Cody Rhodes in the in the matchup against Chris Jericho? What's a better send off? Because I'm just calling it right now. That's going to happen in full gear. You know what? I'm going I'm to go with MJF. Okay. Well, then... On the surface, if you're having a lifestyle match, that should be the last match of the show. But with Cody Rose promo last night and that being the world title match uh, and what you mentioned here with MJF, it, it's something that you get the fans talking about the next day and going into Dynamite. So I'll go with MJF. Okay. Then well, it's going to have to be one of these lights out matches where it's in um intermission like i don't know where you put this match at. that's my thing you know what maybe in the middle because now you gotta get a let me up match again i guess it's a vincism but it's it's actually smart now you're now your let up matches either like you said the tag team match or a women's match into the main event with cody versus jericho it's just one of those things where this ain't going to be Buzz Sawyer against, you know, Ole Anderson, where they turn the lights on, lights off. That's on the WWE Network, by the way, now. Um, the, nice. the, last battle of, the Last Battle of Atlanta. That was... It's, it's not Bruiser Brody and Adula? No, it's not. It's not. Okay. Well, it could be, actually. It could be. Uh, but, but I think that you're right. In this instance, this lights out match will be... Has to be in the middle of the card. Has to be. I'm ex- I'm excited for it. Yeah. <laughs> I have no I have no idea who's gonna win that match, nor do I care. That's the the rarity when you have a match where you don't care who wins, I guess is a good thing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not a difference. It's just like you're just watching as a fan. I get it. I'm I feel the same way. I feel the same way. I don't have a I don't have a uh, I can't say I don't have a strong connection, but I don't I'm looking forward to the spectacle to see how it all is laid out, especially uh, Omega in a match like this, like him holding the broom with uh, Bob Ryer, is different than him actually using it. So. Re- Renee Young uh, stand uh, on standby uh, in case she needs to <laughs> head out to Baltimore, a local uh, medical facility. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> All right, I'll move on to NXT now, my friend. And so you kind of knew that there was going to be a repercussion to NXT superstars. For them invading SmackDown, what happened on Raw as well. And so right. it's good to see your guys, the OC and AJ Styles, come together and invade NXT, cause some havoc, and then take over the ring as they do their promo as uh, they were part of that um, that matchup with uh, Tommaso Ciampa and Matt Riddle and Keith Lee. They ended in a no contest. 
I'm glad that they're going all out with this. They're not sugarcoating it. They're not halfwaying with this whole thing. You have one set storyline for this pay-per-view. Besides Brock Lesnar and Rey Mysterio, you have Raw versus SmackDown versus NXT. I like what I've seen so far. Honestly, it's been a week, and with WWE's track record, there could be a slip-up along the way. We'll see what happens from that point of view, but... I liked what I've seen so far with all this interaction with NXT and Raw and SmackDown. And the bigger point that NXT is no longer uh, developmental. They're part of the main roster now, basically. That's the third brand. That's what they want to push as a storyline. And it, there's a sense of reality to it now. NXT is a bigger brand now than what it was even three, four years ago once they started doing these takeover shows, you know? Uh, I liked what I've seen so far. The the Adam Cole Daniel Bryan match from SmackDown mm-hmm. last Friday was insane. Uh, the stuff that was going on, like you mentioned, with the OC and uh, Tommaso Ciampa was pretty good. But not only are they doing Raw for SmackDown versus NXT, they're still able to tie in the storylines that's happening in NXT, especially with how that show ended. Uh, we'll get to that in a little bit. You know what, man. I, by the way, well, two things. <laughs> One, because I'm a goof, I, uh, <laughs> I I was laughing to myself watching NXT. I was thinking, wait a minute, somebody's missing in this war. Where is the people from 205 Live? Let them get to the Survivor Series, oh. too. Let me get a Tony <laughs> Nese. <laughs> give me the little people. Give me the 205 Live. How come they can't be part of this war? Come on. <laughs> Wouldn't it be great if they, you, get, you get your 12... Your twelve wrestlers out of uh, you know out of that company from from that group from two hundred five live mm-hmm. and led by Aiden English. Look, come on, man, let's go! <laughs> great, man. The, led by the Singh brothers. Yes, yes. Get in the war, man. Don't sit on the sidelines. Anyway, and the other thing I was thinking about, you know, I was thinking, Josh, when I was watching that six man match, that OC and um, and Champa Riddle Lee match, you know where the money is. I would love to see Matt Riddle against AJ Styles. They were in the mat, they were in yes. the ring a little bit, but when I saw those two together, and I'm like, oh my god, what would that match look like? Exactly. Uh, he, I would even like to see a Luke Gallows Keith Lee match. Yes. Yes. Just the little like exchange they had when they had the hot tag. Uh, even then, you can find a way to six-man tag team match to cut the ring off. I, I noticed that, too, during that match last night. Um, I think um, one little complaint I have with AEW as far as the uses of the split screen, I don't care seeing people walk around the backstage area. When NXT uses the split screen, you're actually seeing the match continuing. I don't know if it's a production thing or i think aew doesn't do a good job with timing out their split screens like they'll do it occasionally when there's a cold match going on but i don't know it's just something i was thinking about because uh they had the split screen for the main event right right before the show ended it was during that final commercial break and you're seeing what's going on and you still see the story being told in the ring i don't know this is something that um, perked out to me really visually as i was uh, doing my article last night yeah it makes sense um by the way, uh, if AJ Styles decides to go t- uh, dirty blonde, he really will be Michael Hayes. Oh, God, I'm, yeah. I'm, if, <laughs> I, if, and if people don't believe me, go, if you have NXT on your DVR, just look do, at do, the OC in the ring and you can see like the, the mustache and beard combination and dude, dude, dude really comes do, out. Do, do. <laughs> hey, I like how you look. Hey, if you go dirty blonde, we can, you can be the next Michael Hayes. Dude, dude, dude. Um, dude, 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 I'm a real man. Yes, <laughs> that's true. That's for sure. Um, so the other matches, man. So Pete Dunn taking on Damian Priest. Um, right. So I'm I'm just a big uh, I'm just a big fan of uh, Damian Priest. I just think that he is. Uh, I think he's very good. With him losing the match, that meant nothing to me because I just thought those two really came together and then maybe I'm looking at a three way at some point with Killian Dane, Priest and Dunn, um, which I'd be fine with also. They're trying to push Killian Dane to the moon, aren't they? Yeah, they are. <laughs> and I guess it's a good thing for him since things he didn't have an actual opportunity to actually shine when Sanity was part of the 
uh, SmackDown brand. So I'm glad they're giving them a shot. Like, if this is something where it's like Pete Dunne versus Killian Dane versus Damian Priest uh, as one of the mid card takeover matches, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I, I got no problem with that. I think that again, it'll be hard hitting, and I got no problem with that at all. Um, I I really like that. Uh, those three together in the ring. Um, so I think I found someone else that I think I'm falling for, and that's uh, Tenara, the Brazilian. Tenara? Yeah, yeah, Tenara uh, against Santana Garrett. Uh, I only watched, I didn't fast forward through that match. I want to see uh, Tenara win, and I was so happy to see her win. I'm happy she got to win, too, because she's very talented for her age and just her experience doing judo. Um, There's another, uh, like, judo wrestler on the roster called Arturo Ross who would occasionally show up, but they never do anything with him. Um, or there, there was another guy I'm trying to remember, Cesar Benoni. You remember him? Yes, I do. Uh, Cesar Benoni. You had these like spot talents on the in the WWE performance that would show up occasionally on NXT, but you never see them do anything with them occasionally. <laughs> yeah. And I'm glad that she was on television. She got victory. Whether she gets to the towel picture or not soon, I'm not sure. But I like to see more of her character and where things go with her because she's very talented. And um, yes. I thought she had a a good, solid match. A good, solid match. For her, yes, because she doesn't yeah. win on TV very often. So it was solid. It was, it, you know, mm-hmm. it, it just a match to try to push her out there a little bit more. And I'm a big fan because uh, I think that she has a lot of talent and uh, she looks great. Oh, yes. I'm a big fan. Absolutely. Oh gosh. Um, so so here's some full pause we've seen in wrestling. I told you a couple weeks ago, you never have two tag team matches together. And we saw an AEW was that last week, two weeks ago. Two um, weeks ago. Two weeks ago. So you don't have two back to back tag team matches. That's an old Bill Watts theory. You never do that. You never also have two women's matches back to back. I don't think that. I think that. That could have been split up, but it's the way it was booked with Shayna Baszler against Dakota Kai. Um, Shayna Baszler, I'm sorry, the um, the fabulous uh, Shayna Baszler because she's the new Mula uh, because she's never gonna she never loses. <laughs> so, so well, you know what we've never talked to we've never talked about her long form. I want to get your thoughts, Josh, on Shayna Baszler versus all the other women in wrestling that you've seen at any company. What do you think of Baszler versus other women in wrestling? If she's not already in the conversation, I think she's already in the top five of the best female performers in the world right now. From a character point of view, uh, the way she's been presented, the way she wrestles, um, yeah, she has an MMA background. But every time she's had a title match on these takeover specials, she's been able to tell a good story. Like... Is she better than Charlotte? I don't know. I think she's up there on her level. I wouldn't say she's beneath Charlotte. Uh, she, for me right now, as far as the entire landscape is concerned, she's in my top three of female wrestlers right now. She's been one of the best champions in the business. I know that's a uh, show one day we've got to break down the best champions in the in the business right now. Sure. Uh, and her title reign speaks for herself. I, I'm I'm happy for her. This is something that she wanted to do because she was always a fan. And the fact that she's good at what she does and it looks believable when she does <laughs> with people's ass. I, I'm I'm a big, big Shayna Baszler fan. So she's in my top three as far as best female performers right now. So better than Taya Valkyrie? Yes. And it kills me too because I like Taya a lot. Better than Tessa Blanchard? Right now, my top three is Charlotte, Tessa, and Shayna Baszler. See, that, see, Shayna Baszler works in almost any era, Josh. Yes. Any era. But you know why? Because her style is, her style is like 70s, 80s. Straight ahead, no high flying, just pain. And that makes her so different than everybody else in wrestling. Oh, absolutely. And here's another thing. Look at the promo, uh, the conversation she had with Becky on Raw this week. I think that was probably my favorite part of that show from this this past Monday. She could tell a story, and her promos are not that bad either. 
yes. always talk about promos and that being a, a character crux sometimes. Some, some wrestlers are good in the ring, but they can't speak on the mic. I think Shayna Baszler does a good job on the mic, too. Yeah, it's getting better. And getting better with the two, so mm-hmm. uh, and by and so, I I won't say that I'm wrong, but I will say the last couple of weeks. Uh, well, I'll start with SmackDown last Friday, SmackDown, and then this show here on Wednesday night. Hats off to Bianca Belair. Nobody makes a beatdown look real like Bianca Belair. She looks You're like <laughs> she she looks like one of those videos. That you see where it's a, a street fight with women pulling each other's hair or whatever in like a Popeye's chicken. She she oh. she she is she is she is world star. I swear to God, Bianca Belair. She looks like she's beating the shit out of somebody all the time. Like I like it. Like she doesn't do that in the ring as much though. But when it comes to like one of these brawls outside, man, she is really good at that. She looks more real than anybody else in those brawls. Oh my God, hoodie! I was so waiting for Mara now to say, "Mama Mia, Bianca Belair treating women how people treat Popeye's chicken lines." <laughs> <laughs> oh God, man! Oh man, she—I give her credit. And Mia Yim came in there with that kendo stick, and she cleaned house. It—it it looked, it looked great. I enjoyed Some that. Stiff shots too, though. I know. Jesus Christ, she, I'm, she'll get a receipt. She's gonna get a receipt. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> yeah, she's gonna because that was you, she was out of control and she looked, she was like on the streets again. She I think she snapped. I really do. I think she snapped. So I love Mia Yim. That was some good stuff. And here's the difference. There's a lot of differences in AEW and NXT. Uh, I I want to just use the the '90s as an example. When Monday Nitro first came out. There was a mixture of some, there was a Japanese star here. There was some holdovers from the old WCW regime. They're, you know, trying to figure out how Luger and Hogan and Sting, how that all can work together. But remember the biggest program in the early Nitro years was Kevin Sullivan and his Dungeon of Doom. And so you know that the the show grew from there because the cartoonish Brutus Beefcake, Kamala, all that nonsense. They were just trying to find big heels to take on Hogan. So it was just kind of a transition period for Nitro. The same thing for AEW where they have a thin roster. They have some young people trying to learn how to work on television. That's big. Not just, you know, in front of 200 people, you know, with the librarians on top. They're just trying to learn in front of a big crowd how to work TV. But the diff- one of the biggest differences is, is that the WWE has endless talent, especially endless young talent. Uh, right. and, and so Angel Garza is one of those guys. Angel Garza is a second-generation wrestler against Tony Nese. I'm just pointing out Garza because you keep seeing Josh. They keep throwing him out there week after week for a reason. They throw him out there because that guy's going to be a star. He, he, and he already is showing it every time we see him out there. Yeah, he has the look. I've seen him wrestle in uh, TNA before. I've seen him wrestle at Lucha Underground. Uh, this dude's very, very good at what he does. He has a very bright future ahead of him. And, you know, like you are mentioning, they have so many things at their disposal as far as picking out talents wherever they want out of NXT UK or 205 Live. Uh, when they want just a, a fun match for the full sale audience, they can do that whenever they want. <laughs> and yeah. it's a good showcase talent because maybe there's signs on those other brands where certain wrestlers are not on those shows every single week. So not only are you putting uh, Angel Garza on the spotlight, you're putting those other wrestlers on a spotlight as well. My friend, um, don't forget to go to ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com. Again, it's ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com to be able to check out Josh Lopez. Josh, what do you have up there right now? Right now, we got uh, the latest editions of uh, Dynamite and NXT, uh, especially that uh, awesome Isaiah Scott-Dominic Dijakovic match from last <laughs> night. <laughs> don't do say that about Swerve. He did his best out there. <laughs> Stop it. Um, I got NWA Power. Shout out to Chicago Zone. Cole Cabana becoming the brand new NWA National Champion. Uh, episode 5 out there. We're ready for NWA Power. Um, added some new wrinkles to my articles as far as like using a movie uh, style script where you can actually see which wrestlers are talking at the same time so you can follow along with the promos and stuff so you don't lose any context with the stories. Um, new Japan Pro Wrestling. I've been 
doing those shows. Uh, I did a power struggle this past weekend where uh, Chris Jericho popped up and he's going to fight Hiroshi Tanahashi at Wrestle Kingdom. Wow. Now, this year, your hoodie, uh, Wrestle Kingdom, is going to be a two-night event. They're actually giving this a, a try where they do two nights at the Tokyo Dome for one major event. So, Chris Jericho and Tanahashi will be night two, and uh, they had the return of Hiromu Takahashi, who had a really bad neck injury last year, and he's going to be fighting Will Ospreay for the uh, Junior Heavyweight Championship. There's so much wrestling going on that I forgot that New Japan has a show, a pay-per-view this uh, Saturday in San Jose, the same night as AEW Full Gear, so... Oh! <laughs> oh God! <laughs> Damn it! I'll have, I'll have that uh, on the on Pro Wrestling Transcriptions.com <sighs> for you guys this weekend. Of course, all the latest editions of the Hoops Podcast. God, thank God for you, Josh. I totally forgot about that. I, oh, my God. <laughs> Why? You know, I talked about this a couple of episodes ago about New Japan. So, it's fine for New Japan to come stateside. I understand their plan is to be able to go to the south, the Midwest, which means there's going to be shows in Chicago. Um, hopefully. Uh, hopefully. It was, well, it said the Midwest. Where's it going to be? Milwaukee? It's got to be in Chicago. Um, yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> so it's got to be here. Uh, New York, they're going to be out west. You don't want to oversaturate your product so much. I yes. think I, I don't know if I agree with what their their philosophy is. I don't I don't know if that's a good idea. <laughs> it's one thing to, to do. Say you did six shows in the United States. Say you did four shows. You did right. one in Chicago, one in New York, did one in Los Angeles, did one. Uh, for, I, I hate to say Dallas because that didn't work out well um, or yeah. earlier this year. But just the point is that you go to the major markets and you just you do a tour there. But to come here 20, 30 times in the United States and, uh, without having strong TV penetration, it's only on Access TV. Now, if you get New Japan World, that's one thing. But then who? how many people in the United States really, truly watch every week New Japan? That's the, that's the thing. And, and they have those yeah. numbers. I don't. So that's that'll be interesting to see. Um, I saw the press conference for uh, Power Struggle. And I uh, this is the first time you and I are talking about this. I, I think that Jay White was pushed way too quickly. I remember you telling me that, yep. Yeah, I don't think that that's... I, I think that they pushed him to the moon to try to replace, you know, the Omegas and, and the Rhodes and some of the other Gaijin American athletes. Jay White was pushed way too soon. I, I'm not a believer in Jay White, especially on the, on the top of a card. Sorry, just don't think he's good. Not yet. Osprey is. But I don't think that Jay White is. I what did you see Osprey talk about how the junior heavyweight should be in the main events? What do you think about that? No, well, yeah, not him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not him. No, I think I think that it may. And listen, no offense. I just think that you have to build towards something for him to be in the top of the guard. I saw the press conference. I saw what he had to say. Um, but I just. When you have the Okadas, the the Tanahashis out there, the um, the Zack Saber Juniors, even Lance Archer has taken another step or two, right? Um, yeah. When you take a look at got those guys, I would choose about ten or twelve wrestlers before I look at Jay White in that spot. I just would. I don't. I I don't believe what he's doing out there. He's getting heat. Regardless, though, I, I maybe from your point of view, it's, I, I, I'm an indifferent type of heat, and that that's fine. Mm-hmm. But he's still getting reactions from the crowd. He's been portrayed as the biggest bad guy on the entire company the last two years. I don't disagree that maybe it was a little too much too soon for Jay White. Um, but, hey, man, dude's getting a reaction, and uh, there's more times than not he's delivered in the ring from my point of view that's fine i just think i think i think that he's he's good but not to the point where i think i want him in in title matches at the top of the card i wouldn't say he's the face of the company that that's where i stand with him he's he's good for where he is right now as a young guy trying to make himself stand out as the biggest bad guy at the show, but I don't think he's like you said, he's not on the level of Okada or Tanahashi or even Naito. I like the t- I like your idea though. You said two hours at the Tokyo Dome or two different days 
for the Tokyo Dome shows, right? Yes, sir. Yeah, that's great. So now the show's going to be 10 hours, five apiece. That's oh. great. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm, my fingers are going to fall off by the end of that show, <laughs> Gosh. Well, ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com, that's where you go for uh, Josh Lopez. Support his website because he supports us. And don't forget to follow him on Twitter, at The Hoots Podcast. And uh, hit us on Twitter if you have any reaction to what we're saying about AEW, NXT, or even New Japan. My God, what are we, Dave Meltzer? Uh, breaking down some New Japan as well. Uh, next time we talk, sir, we'll talk about um, the Wednesday Night Wars as well as your reaction to um, Full Gear, the pay-per-view. And, of course, New Japan. Now that you reminded me. Oh, jeez. <laughs> totally forgot about that. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, really quick, for those who don't know out there, uh, both of our podcasts are nominated right now for the Wrestling Podcast Awards. So you can vote for and nominate either the Who's Podcast or, more importantly, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday uh, for the Wrestling Podcast Awards right now. Oh, no, I'm not good enough for that yet. I, I'm just... <laughs> oh, <please. laughs> we're, we're late draw. We're, we're, we're late because we just started this. This The, the Hood Lopez... Uh, Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday, so no, Hoots Podcast, um, vote for that, I'm going to support it, so you all support that too, make that the podcast of the year, absolutely, me, I'll go for 2020, I'll go later, I'm the Jay White of podcast, right? <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> hey folks, 2020 is going to be the year of Hood and Lopez, watch out. <laughs> That's right, now, I won't go for, for, not for 19, don't vote for, no, no, vote for the Hoots Podcast, because they've been around longer. But but uh, right now I'm the Jay White, uh, the the Swerve Scott of uh, <laughs> wrestling podcast. The Ricochet. <laughs> He's a superhero. <laughs> damn it! God damn it! <laughs> Unbelievable. Uh, well, Josh, as always, I appreciate it, my friend. Good brother, man. Always a pleasure talking wrestling with you, my man. As always, great to work with Josh Lopez from ProWrestlingTranscriptions.com for our second. Edition of Tuesday Wrestling Tuesday as we review AEW versus NXT and other things. Randy Orton has re-signed with the WWE with a five-year extension. His Twitter, you saw this on November 5th. The three most dangerous letters in sports entertainment, RKO, just re-signed with the three most dominant letters in sports entertainment, WWE. Looking forward to pissing off the WWE Universe for the next five years or more. And uh, he tagged the WWE, FS1, and WWE backstage. Well, Randy Orton wanted to be comfortable by continuing to work with the WWE. Think about it. He's been with the company since day one, outside of working in OVW to get trained to work for the WWE. And so he's comfortable there. Clearly comfortable. Uh, There are other wrestlers that have generational wealth, like uh, Chris Jericho, Maybe John Moxley to an extent that want to challenge themselves and go someplace else because they got tired of the system. Orton's a system guy, and he had an opportunity with his wealth to maybe spend a couple of years in AEW. If if Randy Orton would have went to AEW, he would be the biggest heel in the business. And I don't mean in the United States. I don't mean just in AEW. I don't mean I mean in the business. If he would have went to AEW, because he could still went through his five moves, his WWE style in AEW, and had all these new challengers, and he would have made box office for AEW. It would have been great for the business, but Randy's going to continue to have these matches in the middle of the card, going to be a a veteran that's going to give back to the business by getting beat down by younger superstars on his way to the WWE Hall of Fame. I have never been a huge Randy Orton fan. I always thought that his father was a better wrestler. Definitely, Randy's a better athlete. But um, I always thought that Bob was a much better wrestler. I think Randy would probably tell you that too. Barry O was uh, maybe not as good as Bob, but at least he was a wrestler. And I think that Randy has not shown me another gear in his game in about 10 to 12 years. He's comfortable in the WWE. On the Arn Show, Arn Anderson has his own podcast on Westwood One. He gave a story about working with Randy Orton when Arn was an agent in the WWE. Randy is a very evil individual. Very smart. In my mind, when he's on and when he has an angle... 
that he could sink his teeth in, he's the best heel in the business. Single heel. Um, he doesn't do a lot of the flip-flop and fly stuff. He's just a guy that will stomp your brains out at the proper time. And uh, he has that look. If the, the longer you look at him, the more he does look like a viper and a serpent, and he moves like a viper and a serpent. He's one of those guys that, for me, I'm, I'm just a huge fan of heels because the one thing that has driven our business that we've somehow forgot about along the way is when the guy rides into town with the black hat and the black vest and makes no mistake, he got no problem shooting you in the back at night where you can't even know that he's there. Without that guy coming into town and creating a lot of mass hysteria and really rotten stuff going on, you don't need the guy in the white hat to come in and save the day. And Randy is one of those guys that he's a world-class heel when he's cast that way. He's easy to, to pass ideas off of, you know, and he'll tell you if he doesn't necessarily like something or if he does like something. Easy to, to do business with. Dolph Ziegler was a guy that I always enjoyed working with. Bobby Roode, another guy I enjoyed working with. Guys that were very, very receptive to anything that you wanted to push, you know, over across the table and say, here, take a bite of this and see what you think. And if he, if he didn't like it, he'd push it back across the table or maybe he'd hang on to the plate. Who knows? Uh, but I was fortunate enough over the years to work with a lot of great guys that were very receptive to my ideas because they understood it wasn't about me. I was just there to help them be the best they could be. And that's all it was. Um, Thoughts there from Arn Anderson. The podcast is called Arn, R-O-N-R-A-N, uh, the podcast for Arn Anderson from Westwood One. In our last episode of TWT, I told you that the reason why people were so over the top about SmackDown as the WWE wrestlers, a lot of them were stuck in Saudi Arabia trying to get to the United States. People are into new. People love they see something new. And for Impact Wrestling, it's great for them to have their own night on Tuesday nights. It's great that they're on Access TV and that they're not hidden away on Twitch or on the Pursuit Channel. That they have an outlet now that they can say, Tuesday nights is our own night. I'm happy for them. As I mentioned, I went to, for Bound for Glory. I thought it was a good show. Didn't think it was great, but I thought it was very good in a lot of different spots. It's a company that's still trying to find itself. As I mentioned, it's a company also that has a lot of different things going. Here's the thing that I would say about Impact Wrestling. We talk about something new, Right. If you watch one episode of Impact Wrestling, you will swear that you are watching the WWE in 2010 or 2012. And maybe that's not a bad thing, but the point is, is that when I see a match and then immediately you go backstage to that camera that's not watching, right, that that wall where, hey, there's a camera there, but you're not supposed to notice the camera. You're supposed to talk to the people around you doing these backstage things. That's just, we've seen this a million times in the WWE. So why does Impact Wrestling do that? You can actually build a story by being able to talk in a microphone to the audience about who you are and what you're thinking and what your next move is. You don't necessarily have to have that wall, that camera there, where you're doing this conversation with one person or three people or four people as if the camera's not there. It's so old school, it, and I'm sorry, it's so old, that's old school, I wish it was old school, it's so old and so tiresome, and Impact Wrestling continues to do that, they want to give you the uh, halfway decent to below average comedy, and they give you good matches, like for instance, I thought Moose and his matchup uh, against Willie Mack was a good opening match because it shows what Moose can do as a wrestler. I think he's tremendous out there. He's getting better and better every time I see him against Willie Mack. When I see these matches, a lot of these, um, to see um, the tag team matches, to see Jordan Grace out there, to see Taya Valkyrie out there, um, to be able to see some of the veterans that are on this roster and some of the young pieces of this roster in ring, it's not bad at all. 
you can see that they're going someplace, but these backstage vignettes are just so tiresome. We've seen this forever. How about something different to innovate, to try to move the business forward instead of doing exactly what the WWE has done forever? Um, One of the interesting parts about Tuesday night was the new Impact Wrestling champion, Sammy Callahan. Sammy Callahan had his celebration. Of course, oh, wait a minute, a championship celebration. Where have we seen that before, right? He had his uh, championship celebration after defeating Brian Cage in that cage match uh, last week. And Sammy had a really decent promo that I'm surprised not even trending even more so because there was a shot at Chris Jericho there. Interesting. This is what I call a party. The draw, Sammy Callahan and OVE are here to celebrate. See, we're here drinking beer like men. We don't drink a little bit of the bubbly like a bunch of bitches. We told told the entire world that we're starting a revolution. Now look at us. We are on top of the mountain here in Impact Wrestling, and we're on top of the mountain with any company in professional wrestling because we are OVE, and we are for Ohio. For Ohio! And we are taking over everything. Everything! Everything! Thumbs up! Thumbs Wow. Wow. Not a big fan of the little bit of the bubbly. (laughs) Like a bunch of bitches, he said. Well, I'll leave you with one of the best promos that you'll hear all year long. Cody Rhodes on AEW just letting you know about his matchup against Chris Jericho for the AEW championship. It was tremendous. And I'll talk to you next Tuesday. I got a big announcement for you next Tuesday. I can't wait to tell you. I just learned this week what's going to happen. And I can't wait to tell you next Tuesday uh, on the 12th of November. uh, uh, Some big news. Can't wait to tell you. Here's Cody Rhodes. Or I'm sorry, the American Nightmare Cody from AEW last night. You and Chris Jericho for the AEW world title. But, and we talked about this, I know you have an announcement that's weighing heavy on you right now. Please tell us all what that announcement is. I'm not surprised. We're not surprised. The arrival of Chris Jericho with the inner circle, it's been blunt. Or to use a more apropos term, it's been strategic. They have taken a scalpel to the elite. But it's a short victory, Labman, and here is why. We were already looking for you. We looked within our own club at one point. We have searched all over the world for a card that we could put our names on and match up with Matt and Nick Jackson, with Kenny Omega, with Hangman Adam Page, with myself, hell with my brother. Saturday, I find myself on the marquee with our AEW world champion, Chris Jericho. Tony and I have talked about it. He knows what I'm about to announce, but before I do, humor me, I'm going to go on a bit of a detour and rattle off a few names. Eddie Graham, Cowboy Bill Watts, the American Dream, Dusty. All of them were titan 
titans in our business. They were the best bell to bell, and they were the best at the box office. And for those who saw them with their own eyes, those memories reverberate in their heart. It is a good feeling. It is positive. But for the cold and sterile historians of our business, there's an air of controversy that surrounds it. It's from the simple fact that those men were also, in addition to being competitors, they were management. Not, not unlike myself. And for the last year, I've told everybody, every podcast, every radio, every correspondent, I've shouted it off the rooftops how proud I am of AEW, how proud I am of the all-inclusive nature, of the schedule, of the pain, of the fact that we will listen. This, this is Ellis Island for a professional wrestler. This is freedom. criticism attached to my name for being management and being in a title match I can't not hear it and with that said I am announcing that if I do not defeat If I do not defeat Chris Jericho at full gear, I will never challenge for the AEW World Championship again. Chris Jericho, that is a very big if. It's not an encumbrance. It's not an albatross that is going to sit on your chest and weigh you down. It is going to vanish. You've taken to calling my lot entitled millennials. You've called me an entitled millennial bitch. I neglected to read in your best-selling book, A Lion's Tale, which you can get on Amazon for $3 or at any, or at any flea market. I neglected to read about the upbringing you had that was so hard. You talked about my silver spoon. Gosh, it must have been so difficult being the upper class son of a famous hockey player. It is almost like we shared the exact same silver spoon, you stupid dick. You dismissed, you dismissed every accomplishment I've made. You've talked about my father. Well, you call me an entitled millennial, I call you a carny succubus because the dirty secret about you, the dirty secret is you need this generation more than it needs you. And you've surrounded yourself with impressionable youth. This isn't about my dad. This isn't about the dead, it's about the living. It's about my mother. It's about my sister. It's about my wife. It's about the 14 years it took me to go from undesirable to un-goddamn-deniable. At full gear, I beat you. I become the world champion, and you fall back into your circle, your inner circle, and you let them know the ground should be rumbling between their feet because the elites are coming. And when the elite and the inner circle square off, it'll be a match beyond, and we are going to eat you alive. <laughs> 